Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 16 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. On February 6, 1998, Rosalani Nanato, or Rosie as she was known, left her native Brazil to start a new life in London. A tourist visa lasted only for six months, in which time she planned to learn English. When August arrived, she applied to remain in England again, this time as a student. She was permitted residence for a further six months. While living in the UK on her student visa, Rosie met Sokol Dranova in a London nightclub. Dranova was charismatic, wore designer clothes and swept Rosie, who was 12 years his senior, off her feet. They had a lot in common. Both had strong personalities and both were adjusting to living in London. Drinova told his new partner that at 19 years old, 
he had arrived in the UK during 1997. Dronova had fled war-torn Kosovo and was granted refugee status. He found work as a stonemason. Rosie thought, like her, her new love interest was Catholic. Everything seemed perfect, so much so the couple got married a few months after meeting. They had a small spring wedding on April 4th at Barnet Registry Office. Trinova told his new wife the gut-wrenching story of how his parents were murdered as part of the ethnic cleansing in Kosovo. He claimed to have entered Britain as a stowaway through a Dover ferry port. In a photograph of the couple on their wedding day widely circulated in the press, Rosalani can be seen looking into the camera with a broad natural smile on her face. The groom is staring to the side, teeth together with a strange smile. So-called Dronova was hiding something. The honeymoon period wasn't to last. Rosie unpicked the web of lies Dronova had told her throughout their short relationship. There didn't seem to be a good reason why a man in his job as a stonemason would require several mobile phones. The brand names on the clothing he wore didn't seem to marry up with the modest paycheck he received. Dronova couldn't explain as a refugee how he had managed to get to England with only the clothes on his back. The truth about her husband unravelled among the revelations that he wasn't a Catholic. He was a Muslim. Rosie didn't know him at all. So-called Dronova had been granted refugee status as an unoccupied minor until summer 2001. He lied about his age on his application, claiming to be 17, two years younger than he actually was. The name he gave was also false. He wasn't so-called Dronova. His real name was Main Dreza. Even though their marriage was still new, to the frustration of his wife, Dreza would go out alone without her at night with a friend, Stefan Blidamona also settled in the UK from Albania. On the subject of her new husband, Rosie Dreza later said, He was very polite and kind, and so in love with me. But after we got married, he became strange with me, and started going out alone. After just two months of marriage, Maine and Rosie separated. He took his belongings and moved in to Stefan's flat on Fernbank Avenue in Wembley. The home was on one floor of a two-storey converted property. It would be a squeeze with two of them. Living under each other's feet, their friendship started to sour. As Main Dreza's marriage had ended, Rosie Dreza, who was now staying in the UK illegally, sought work as a cleaner. 
In contrast, the love life of Dries' friend Stefan was looking up. Stefan Blidamona was about three months away from becoming a father. He was excited about the prospect of parenthood, and he wanted to marry the child's mother, 18-year-old Zoe Play. Six months into the pregnancy, on June 22, 1999, Stefan and Zoe had been to the hospital to attend a routine antenatal appointment. They did not know something, or more precisely someone, was threatening to end their happiness at the very same time. At work, Main Dreeser had earned the nickname Scarface after the drug lord lead in Brian De Palma's 1983 film. The Scarface character was angry and impulsive, so maybe Dreeser's behaviour that morning didn't seem that out of swing with his usual temperament. He was livid. As soon as he got into work, Main Dreeser was telling his workmates at the Stonemasons in Watford that his friend and new flatmate had stolen his wedding ring. It was all he could think about and talk about. Dreeser took great offence to the alleged theft, and in the end he simply couldn't concentrate at work. By 9.30am, only half an hour into his shift, he was telling colleagues he had to leave to sort the situation out. He asked a friend to give him a lift to the station to which his friend obliged. On the way, Dreeser was repeating, I'm going to kill him. And then he asked the driver an unsettling request. He wanted to stop at a shop so he could buy a knife. After the hospital appointment at approximately 10.45am, Stefan left Zoe to go back home to change his clothes. The atmosphere in the flat was entirely at odds with his joyful morning so far. Zoe had accepted the gold ring Stefan had given her as a token of their engagement. Though when he put the ring on her finger, it didn't seem to fit and didn't seem like something that was chosen especially for her. Perhaps the ring was a gesture, until Stefan could purchase a replacement. Expecting to hear from her fiancé later that day, Zoe patiently waited, but the call never came. The next day, Zoe went to look for Stefan at his flat. It was eerily quiet. Neither Stefan nor Mangerizer appeared to be at home. Stefan's room was locked from the outside. It wasn't until the door was finally opened that Zoe found a man, dead and bloody, crumpled on the floor. He had been beaten and mutilated with such ferocity, it wasn't clear who the victim was. Zoe did recognise something, though an unusual belt buckle that her fiancé always wore. 23-year-old Stefan Blidamona had been murdered, and his friend Mangerisa had not gone into work that day. 
A post-mortem examination counted 120 injuries inflicted on Stefan. His skull had multiple fractures thought to be caused by a heavy instrument. He had multiple stab wounds. Some of the brutal injuries were believed to be caused by a cheese knife. The utensil was left at the scene, along with a lock knife. The doctor who carried out the post-mortem thought that of the many injuries that could have killed Stefan, one of the wounds to his neck appeared to marry up with the sort of harm the cheese knife could have inflicted. There were also many other deep stab wounds, some that pierced Stefan's brain, his heart and his face. Mandries of the prime suspect could not be found. He hadn't turned up at any of the places the authorities would expect to find him. Unbeknownst to the British police, he had fled the country just hours after the murder before anyone even knew Stefan Blidermonna had been murdered in his home. Dreza had boarded a flight at London Stansted Airport heading for Milan. This wasn't the first time Main Dreza had fled a country to escape being charged with murder. In 1997, Main Dreza came to England. On April 11th, he had committed a crime in Albania, the seriousness of which meant it was something the police had to pursue. It was only a matter of time before he would be captured if he stayed in the country. Dreza, with the help of others, including his father, killed two men in his home village of Bishan. It was a revenge killing. 33-year-old Lavdosh Kanani had been in prison serving a six-year sentence for a crime committed against the Dreza family. This created a blood feud. The Dreesers felt that justice had not been served as Kanani was released from jail when the prisons in Albania were open during the turmoil in the country. Lavdosh Kanani returned to Bishan where the Dreesers also still lived. 71-year-old Elmaz Kanani and his son Lavdosh were shot to death in their home. Main Dreeser knew not only would the police be looking for him, but if the wider Kanani family found him first, they would be looking for revenge. Now Mandriza was on the run in a foreign country for the second time after committing murder. Following his arrival in Milan, he made his way to Catania on the east coast of Sicily. Just six months after landing on Italian soil, Again, he was a wanted man. Five days before Christmas 1999, he burst into a bar with some associates. He shot and killed Maskai Artan and Blue Shy Albert, and a third man narrowly missed their fate when Dreza's gun jammed. Dreza wasn't so lucky escaping the law this time, and he was arrested by Italian police the next day. Confined to a prison cell in Sicily, 
It was not long before Scotland Yard discovered the main suspect for Stefan Blidermonna's murder had been caught, albeit for another crime. The following year, Scotland Yard made plans to visit him to discuss the murder committed in Wembley. Working with a translator, Maindreza told them that he was attacked by Stefan first, and the man he considered a friend and shared a flat with had been hired to kill him. He said Stefan Blidermona was in the same prison as Lavdosh Kanani, and someone had paid Stefan to enact retribution for the murder of the father and son. Discussing his then-living arrangements, Dreza said he believed the offer from Stefan providing Dreza with a place to stay was to gain his trust. Though Stefan Blidermona shared a small flat with him and they were friends before that, this did not explain why if he was a paid assassin, Stefan didn't kill him earlier, as he would have had countless opportunities to kill Mandreza if he wanted to. When speaking to detectives, the translator said of Dreza, He saw a lot of blood. He does not remember because he lost control of himself. The whole problem was Blidamona wanted to kill him. First Blidamona hit him, then he says perhaps he hit him too. He remembers the moment he hit him with the knife. In his absence, Mandreza and his father were convicted of the murders of El Maj and Lavdosh Kanani in Albania. In December 2001, father and son were found guilty of, quote, premeditated murder in complicity of citizens. Dreza didn't go to trial for the murders in Sicily until 2002. However, it would be many more years until he stepped foot in a British court to face charges for the murder of Stefan Blidermona. He was found guilty of conspiracy to murder Mashkai Artan and Blushai Albert, along with the attempted murder of Mashkai Lefter. Dreza was handed a sentence of 30 years. Romain Dreza soon became known as a notorious murderer. His ex-wife had kept his last name. She then became romantically involved with another man, who she dated for almost a year, before he was murdered in Plasto, East London towards the end of 2000. Rosie Dreza was questioned by the police. However, detectives soon discovered that the murder was carried out by two lifelong friends of the man that they had gunned down. In the midst of her ex-partner's killing spree that ended in Italy, Rosie kept working as a cleaner to stay afloat. She gained a curious position cleaning the house of an immigration tribunal judge. It is unclear whether the judge, known only as Judge J, was aware of her employee's illegal status. Happy with Rosie Dreeser's cleaning services, Judge Jay suggested fellow immigration judge Mohammed Elias Khan employ her too. He did, and that is when things got messy. 
Judge Jay felt Rosie Dreeser had gotten too familiar and terminated her employment in 2004. Still, she insisted 60-year-old Judge Khan didn't have to follow suit. Khan and Dreeser's relationship changed from professional to personal when Rosie Dreeser became his live-in lover. Speaking of her former employer, Rosie Dreeser later said of Judge Jay, She was jealous and did not accept that the man who left her in the past now was in love with her ex-cleaner. She told him if he would not leave me, she was going to take poison. The trio's private lives were laid bare in the press when an alleged blackmail plot came to light. Rosie Dreeser had found two sexually explicit films in Judge Khan's house. One showed Khan having sex with Judge Jay, who was said to have been snorting cocaine, and a second tape, which featured the couple having sex with another woman. It was alleged that Rosie Dreeser was threatening to release the tapes and inform the authorities that an immigration judge was knowingly employing her illegally. If it were true, it meant Rosie Dreeser had committed a criminal offence by trying to extort money through blackmail. Judge Jay informed the police and the matter went to court. October 2006, eight years after Rosie Dreeser entered the UK, a trial started at the Old Bailey. It was soon to be known in the press as the Real Chilly Hot Stuff case, something Judge Khan called Dreeser in his emails. Part of one read, I was right about wanting to go with you when I first saw you. You must admit you were a bit cool. You are real chilly hot stuff. I love you very much. Another message sent from his phone read, You are a lovely shack. I miss you already. Until his identity was revealed, Judge Mohammed Elias Khan was initially referred to as Judge K in the court case. Both judges did not attend the trial due to ill health. The jury heard that in letters to Judge Jay, Rosie Dreeser threatened to tell the Prime Minister, the Department for Constitutional Affairs and the Lord Chancellor that she had been employed illegally. It was alleged that the explicit films were also used as a bargaining chip. Though the videos were not shown to the court, jurors heard the graphic contents of each. Rosie Dreeser denied that she tried to blackmail Judge Jay, insisting she was only requesting financial compensation for being dismissed as a cleaner for no good reason. Regardless of the outcome of the trial, the dubious actions of the judges were going to cause questions from the public about the future of their careers. The Lord Chancellor and the Lord Chief Justice sought to launch a formal investigation into their conduct. 
During the trial, the jury were not made aware that Rosie Dreeser was previously married to a multiple murderer. She was found guilty and was sentenced to 33 months in jail for blackmail and the theft of Judge Khan's home movies. Judge Peter Beaumont told Dreeser that she was a greedy and determined woman. She blew a kiss as she was led out of the courtroom. Galbraith Branley, Rosie Dreeser's solicitor, said, This case is by no means concluded. They were right. The case wasn't over. In 2007, it worked its way to the Court of Appeal. Three High Court judges decided to quash the convictions against Rosie Dreeser. There was evidence that suggested immigration judge, Judge Jay, behaved in a way that was xenophobic, with further evidence presented at the Royal Courts of Justice from her family and colleagues that she had lied on multiple occasions. What's more, she claimed to have been assaulted by a fellow judge, only for it to be discovered that the claim was false. Based on this new evidence, Rosie Dreeser's conviction was overturned and she avoided a second trial when the CPS decided not to move forward with a second set of legal proceedings, leaving her a free woman. Questions over Judge Khan's conduct were still being raised, and the Judicial Conduct Investigations Office launched an inquiry. In total, the investigation lasted 19 months, and throughout this period, the judge was paid his full salary of £170,000. Lord Phillips, who headed the inquiry, published his findings during May 2008. He said that the actions of both judges who employed Rosie Dreeser were ill-judged, particularly in the light of the jurisdiction within which they both worked. No further action was taken against them. Judge Khan stayed on sick leave for a year after the inquiry had wound down. Chief Executive of the Taxpayers' Alliance took exception to the fact that the judge would receive a pension of almost £50,000 a year, a lump sum payment and sick pay while the investigation was ongoing. Chief Executive Mark Elliott spoke of his frustrations. It is ludicrous that Mr Khan is still sitting around doing nothing while being paid a fortune at the taxpayers' expense. The Ministry of Justice should get his act together and decide immediately whether he should be on the payroll or not. It helps no one to have such a costly employee sat in limbo for years on end. Judge Mohammed Elias Khan passed away just one day after he officially retired in 2009. He was 64 years old. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at Centair.com. After a series of lengthy legal proceedings, Mangerizza was extradited from Italy to go to trial for the murder of Stefan Blidamona, who died in June 1999. Upon landing on British soil, Dreza was charged. It was almost two decades after Stefan was brutally murdered in his flat. The trial began in March 2019. Rosie Dreza had since been deported back to Brazil and was not called upon to give evidence against her ex-husband. Dreza claimed he acted in self-defence after a row broke out, as Dreza believed Stefan had stolen a gold ring that belonged to him and used it to propose to Zoe Blay, the mother of Stefan's child. Prosecutor Timothy Cray QC told the court about the brutality of the attack. 
the tip of a lock knife had been found embedded in the back of the victim's skull. Gray said, The scene inside the house in Wembley was horrific. In addition to the obvious signs of bleeding, it turned out that Stefan's throat had been cut and his head was hanging at a strange angle. A curved cheese-type knife and a lock knife had been left at the scene near the body. The Crown's case is that there is no justification or excuse for what the defendant did to Stefan, his friend. Timothy Cray QC went on to tell jurors about Stefan's mourning and the exchange between him and his fiancée. One unusual thing happened between Stefan and Zoe that morning because according to her he gave her a gold wedding ring. In fact, he put it on her finger. She didn't feel that it was right and it looks like part of the plan for later was to go to a jewellery shop to perhaps see if they could get that ring changed for something more suitable. Be that as it may, he gave her a wedding ring and as you know it was earlier that morning at around about 9am when the defendant got to work and very much had a wedding ring on his mind. He had turned up in a bad mood, telling his mates that the person he lived with had taken his wedding ring. The upset appeared to be more about the fact that it was an item of sentimental value as opposed to any financial loss, because to him it seemed very serious. Mangerese's colleague gave him a lift to Northwood Tube Station. He had dropped him off at the shop where a knife was purchased. According to his workmate, Dreza kept saying, I'm going to kill him. But his colleague did not believe Dreza was being serious. Timothy Cray QC spoke about Dreza and described how he thought the morning of the murder played out. He was telling his workmates that he was angry enough to kill. In fact intended to kill and that he wanted to go and get a knife. He then left work travelling from Watford to Wembley with murder in his heart and when he found Stefan he killed him in a way that was brutal and merciless. After the killing he quite coldly and deliberately managed to get himself away from the scene and out of this country. Mandries's defence had changed since the discussion with Scotland Yard back in Italy. Dreza still admitted that he killed his friend Stefan in self-defence, but no longer was Stefan Blidermonna on a mission to kill for revenge. Dreza claimed he had retaliated when Stefan lashed out at him following an argument about the wedding band Stefan was alleged to have stolen. The defendant said Stefan came at him with a knife and baseball bat. He had no recollection of what happened next. His barrister supported this theory by arguing Dreza couldn't be guilty of murder if the first blow was the cause of Stefan Blidermonna's death and the killing stroke was in self-defence. During the trial, the court reportedly heard the last words Stefan uttered to the man he thought was his friend. 
referring to the Albanian shooting committed by Dreza. Stefan said, You have killed so many, too. That's enough now. Zoe Blay was just 18 when her fiancé was murdered. Almost 20 years later, she wrote a powerful victim personal statement, addressed to Dreza, describing how she felt about losing her partner. I cannot put into words or begin to explain that day. I found Stefan's body. It has traumatised me to this day. I suffer with flashbacks and nightmares. No one would want to see their loved one lying there like that. I was extremely scared after that. I moved from the city I had called home my whole life to a city where I only knew two people just to feel safe. I may have felt safe, but it added to my depression and stress levels. Not good when you are six months pregnant. I so wanted Stefan there when I gave birth to our son to be proud of me. You stole that from me. Christopher, our loving, kind and beautiful son, grew up asking about his father from a very young age. I always told him Daddy is in heaven. When Christopher was about four years old, his goldfish died. We said a few words and then flushed the goldfish down the toilet so he could go to heaven. A few days later, I found Christopher on the bathroom floor talking to his daddy in the toilet. He thought this was where heaven was. This was truly heartbreaking to watch. When Christopher was 14 years of age, I told him what had happened to his father. I gave him newspaper articles that I had kept. When I returned home after giving evidence... Christopher asked me how it went, but no more than that. I was shocked and thought he would have been more interested and wanted some questions answering, but no nothing. It wasn't till later on that day when speaking to his girlfriend she told me that whatever Christopher thinks about his father and what happened to him, his heart breaks all over again. He gets palpitations and feels like he is going to be sick. This is why he does not want to know the full extent of that cruel day you took his father away. The fear his father must have felt and the degree of his father's injuries you caused. Stefan's family, yes they have a grandson but they will never see their son again. They will never see him on his wedding day. The day he would have brought his son into the world, Stefan was cruelly robbed of this. And we, as a family, have also been robbed. Following the closing remarks from the prosecution and defence, in late March 2019, it took the jury two and a half hours to arrive at a verdict. Maindreza was found guilty of murdering Stefan Blidermona. Dreza learned his fate on April 3rd.
During sentencing, Judge Sarah Munro QC told Dreza, This is a very unusual, if not unique, case. The attack was of the utmost ferocity involving the use of at least two blunt articles and a heavy wooden pole to inflict extensive and multiple injuries. You stabbed him with two knives all over his head, face, back and chest. Several of the wounds were each in themselves potentially fatal, notably slash wounds to his throat which cut through his carotid artery and jugular vein, a stab wound to the head which penetrated the brain and wounds that penetrated the heart and lungs. This was a brutal attack on a defenceless man in his own home. He would have suffered very considerably before he died. Afterwards, you were careful to change your clothes and clean up your hands before calmly booking a flight and fleeing the country to evade capture. The impact was to deprive his family of a young man, his girlfriend of her partner, and his unborn son of his father. Appearing stone-faced as he received his sentence, Dreza was told by the judge, As you know, the sentence for murder in this country is fixed by law, and I will be passing a life sentence upon you. The only question for me to resolve is how long a term you should serve as part of that life sentence, and what, if any part during which you have been remanded, should count towards that sentence I pass. Judge Munro continued by thanking jurors in a complex investigation. There are not many cases where a defendant has four convictions for murder before he is tried for a fifth, and there are not many cases where a jury would be allowed to hear about that. Mandreza was handed a life sentence with a minimum term of 20 years. So where are we now? After the sentencing hearing, Scotland Yard Detective Inspector Gary Moncrief spoke to the press outside of the Old Bailey. Dreza has proven himself to be an extremely violent individual who has no hesitation in dealing with any issue or problem he encounters in life by killing. He has freely admitted all the murders he has committed but never shown any remorse. Stefan, a fellow Albanian, had been his friend but there was a disagreement over a wedding ring that went missing. Dreza took the theft of this ring as symbolic and an attack on his manhood. Dreza dealt with this agreement in the only way he knew how, with brutal violence. He wasn't just trying to teach Stefan a lesson that day. He went out to kill him. Rosie Dreza started a new life back in Brazil after she was deported. She told reporters she now works as an investigative journalist. In 2019, speaking of her ex-husband, Rosie said, He always told me other stories. He's really just a liar. I was shocked when I saw my photos linked to his crimes. How absurd. 
Regarding her own court case 13 years earlier, Rosie Dreeser sent her well wishes to the British public and recalled the messages she received. I am very, very grateful for all the British people who believed me and took my side. May God bless all of them and Britain. I received almost 200 letters from guys who wanted to date me and marry me, and I keep them all with me. Mandriza was returned to Italy to finish serving his 30-year sentence. After he has served his sentence there, he will be deported to Albania or the UK to commence his prison sentences for the other murders he has been convicted of. It is incredibly unlikely Mandriza will ever be a free man again. Stefan Blidamona missed out on the birth, childhood, teenage years and adulthood of his son Christopher. He is now nearly the age his father was when Stefan was so senselessly murdered by a man he thought was his friend. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer Wendy in Ontario, Canada and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.